Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Um, I want to teach today and about the Holy Spirit, but a message that I, I've never brought before, and it's kind of sometimes, you know, we want to preach about the Holy Spirit and kind of get all excited about the supernatural things of the Holy Spirit, like, you know, tongues and, and prophecies and miracles and all that kind of stuff. But today I want to talk about and really teach you on the very first thing that the Holy Spirit does and what he does for our life and who he is in our, our life. So I'm going to encourage you to take some notes along the way. I'm going to throw out a bunch of scripture, but let me set it up like this. I don't think that there are too many things in this life that are more exhausting to the, the human soul and the human heart than this thing called hypocrisy. You know what I'm saying? I don't think there are two. And in fact, you know, I've lived life long enough and I've walked in hypocrisy myself long enough and I've seen it in other people and I've seen it in people both inside and outside of the church, just so you're aware. And the more I realize there aren't too many things more exhausting to our internal makeup of who we are than this constant dual nature that we battle this constant uh, duplicity that we have, that we are in fact born with. That's what God tells us. We are born into this dual nature. First of all, we have our, our earthly nature, our flesh, right? Our sin and our capacity to make bad decisions and do things, you know, that, that just kind of are, are towards our sinful nature. But then we also have the spirit inside of us. That's the supernatural part, the spirit of God that lives inside of us, our, our spirit man or woman, the part that lives on for eternity. And they're constantly in this battle, in this back and forth, this push and pull, this, this hypocrisy, this dual nature that we have. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter seven. I want to encourage you to go back and read through it. But he talks about that our flesh and our spirit are, are they're at odds with one another. They're constantly in this battle, in this, this fight. Paul talks about this inherent hypocrisy. And I think of Paul, here's this guy who was, you know, one of the most godly men to ever walk the earth, who's taking off the mask and he's saying things like, hey, all the things that I wanna do, I don't do. Has anybody been there before? Awesome, just me? Well, you guys can tell me your secret after we're all done, all right? No, we all do this. We all feel this battle. All the things that I want to do, I don't do. But the things that I, I, I you know, don't want to do, that's the stuff that I end up doing. And this is what Paul says. We have this, this duality inside of us. And then he uses this language. If you read it in detail, in verse 23 of Romans 7, he says, there is a law. This is a law. In other words, this is as real as gravity. This is as real, this work inside of us, this fight, this battle is as real as E equals MC squared. It's as real as two plus two equals four. He says, there is this, this law at work in the members of my body, listen to the language, waging war against my mind. Again, I don't think there's anything like this war, this hypocrisy that causes us more, more, um, more hurt and more pain to our, our, our soul. And he's talking about hypocrisy. He says the things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. The things that he doesn't want to do, that's what he keeps on doing. And then he sums it up by saying, man, I'm so depressed. What a wretched man that I am. Have you ever felt that way? 
No, I forgot who I was asking, the perfect church. That's right, I forgot, my bad. No, we've all felt this way. Isn't it amazing how one day you can feel like you are walking, you know, in, in this amazing kind of Christian life and doing things right. And just the next day or the next couple of days feel like you are so ungodly and miserable and how much you got it wrong. And, and what good are you? That's what he's talking about. It's this wrestle between our, our human nature and our spirit nature. In fact, um, if, if our own sinful nature wasn't enough, we almost encourage this kind of condition of the human heart. Because here's what we do. We, we go to Vegas with some friends or whatever, and this is what we say. Hey, don't worry about it. What happens in Vegas does what? Stays in Vegas. Like, go ahead. Do whatever you want to here. Right When you come back home, you know, you'll be fine. Whatever happened there stays here. In fact, we see this at the end of February every single year. We have this thing called, called Fat Tuesday right? Or Mardi Gras in New Orleans, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, right, is, is this, this Ash Wednesday. And so that's the dominant theme of the human heart right there. I'm going to get as drunk and gluttonous and as whatever on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I'll put some ashes on my head and I'm going to get super holy and super spiritual. And for the next 46 days, you know, before the big day, the day that matters, Easter comes around. I'm just going to act as godly as, as I can. And I'm just saying, this is what we wrestle with. This is our human nature. We have this hypocrisy in our life. And it's funny because um, one of the greatest excuses statistically that people give for not wanting to come to church, you know what it is? Church is full of what? Hypocrites. They're just a bunch of hypocrites to which I, I say, you know, we should shout at the top of our lungs. You're dead on, you know, exactly. In fact, there's always room for more. So come and join us. You know, it's fine. <laughs> Guilty as charged. We are hypocrites. Now here's some really good news though, because I know it didn't start out so encouraging. Um, theologically, when you give your life to Christ, you know what the Bible says is you are dead to your sin and that you are made alive in Christ. That's what Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 tells us that once you were dead in your sin, but you became alive in Jesus, you were born again. And so now that sin nature that's waging war inside of us, that's causing us to walk in a, a level and degree of hypocrisy, don't miss this, because of the cross, it's dead positionally in our lives, but practically it's there. Practically it's like a zombie. It's like the walking dead. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, walking around trying to, you know, find some brains to eat or whatever zombies do. I don't even know, but it's practically right. We sit under the weight of this tension, this hypocrisy in our life. And can I just remind you today, God is not in love with a better you. He's not in love with a better version of who you are. He is just in love with you. And the moment that you declare Jesus as your Lord, you cross the line of faith and you believed in your heart, you instantly inherited all the rights and the privileges of a son or daughter of God. It wasn't after a vetting process. It wasn't after an apprenticeship, you know, to where God would look down and say, all right, let me see, you know, how this person is going to handle this new life. He says, no, the second you were born, born again, you receive all these amazing gifts from God, including something extremely supernatural. 
And this is what happens to us as followers of Jesus. And as I read this, let me just say, I understand that's not everybody in this room. I know that not all of us have crossed that line of faith. Some of you are just checking this church thing out and seeing what this, this means. But a lot of times we'll say things like, you know, pray to receive Jesus and, and invite the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And I think it's important for us to understand what that means and how that begins in our life. And so Ephesians chapter one, let's take a look. And sometimes I'll have you guys repeat some words uh, as we read scripture. And that's not to be a jerk, by the way. That's because, you know, all of you good teachers understand the power of repetition, do you not? Like, so sometimes you can say things over and over, but it's not until the hundredth time that a student finally gets it and the light bulb goes on. And so from time to time, you know, we'll just, we'll repeat some things. And my prayer is that for some of you today, a light bulb just goes off. That for the first time, perhaps you just, you just get it. And this is what Ephesians 1, 1 says, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, verse three says, praise be to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This, this Ephesians one, this is considered to be one of the great um, theological kinds of, of discussions about our faith and what it means and, and what we have in Christ. So this is, this is a big uh, thing that Paul is writing. He says this, um, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in love. Somebody say in love, in love. Listen to me, Elevate Church. This is always God's only motivation. If you would ever ask yourself, like I have, like why would God allow his son to pay the price that he did for us? Why would he send him through that? Why would he be tortured and killed, you know, on our behalf? This, those two words, that's why. It's simply in love for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Are you with me? So it's in love. That's God's only motivation for anything that he does for us, it's in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one, that's capital one, that's Jesus, he loves. In him, here's what we have in Jesus, redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all, don't miss this, with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time, times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And when I start to think about the fact that the minute I was born again, I was instantly adopted. No, no matter, it, it wrecks me. I'm blown away by the fact that, that when I start thinking about how before the foundations of the earth, like God knowing every single day of my life, the end from the beginning, every single day of the, the 40, you know, seven, 48 years, I think I'm 48 years old that I've had. And there've been some dark days in those 48 years. But I think about Psalm 139, where he says he knew those. In advance, he wrote those out and still he said, hey, let there be light. Still he said, let, there, let me make creation in my image. Let me make Colby in my image. Like that wrecks me. 
that he would do that knowing the capacity that I have for hypocrisy, knowing the capacity I have to, to get it wrong, right? This battle that I have. And then he says this, we're holy right now and we're blameless right now. For no other reason than Christ was holy and blameless and he was your substitute on the cross. And I think about how, how sometimes if I'm being honest, my first thought is, God, you, you got duped. Like that's a terrible trade. Me, for, for that, for what you did? Like I, I sometimes think, God, did you not read The Art of the Deal by President Donald J. Trump? Right? Which if you did, then everything you did, you know, was exactly the opposite of what, you know, the president told us. And this is not a political thing, by the way. So save your energy, save your emails. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying based on that book, the idea is you walk away and both parties feel like they won. Both parties feel like, you know, they, they got the, the, the better end of the deal. But when it came to my inheritance and my adoption, can I tell you something? Like it's completely one-sided. It's totally in God's favor or in my favor. When it came to your inheritance and your adoption, it's completely lopsided. It's completely unfair. And I think about Ephesians 1 and here's my thought. God, this seems irresponsible. Because do you not understand the capacity we have as hypocrites to take your grace and your mercy that are new for us every morning? I understand that to abuse it, to trample on it, to, to throw it back in your face, the mercy that you've given us. I know I'm guilty of that, but again, I read this and it says his motivation was always in love. He just did it out of love. God so loves us. And the minute we start to, to go, well, that's completely awful, God. We're gonna be you know, hypocrites. We have this, this duplicity you know, in our life. They're gonna trample on that grace. And maybe not every day, maybe not every, every week, but there's gonna be times where we, we lose our mind and we make mistakes and we, we do it completely wrong. There's gonna be times when our lives look more like Fat Tuesday than they do Ash Wednesday. And you're still giving us that kind of mercy and grace. And God goes, yeah. Exactly. And in fact, verse seven, what did he say? He did it with all wisdom and all insight. In other words, hey, I've thought this through. I've thought this through. I knew exactly what I was doing. I know the potential you have in your human heart to take that grace and trample on it. I know what's broken inside of every single one of us. Then we wrestle with this hypocrisy, with this, this battle in our mind. And he said, and I still chose to pour out my love and my grace. And again, we ask why in love, because did you know God um, doesn't just give love? God is love. Well, Colby, I thought love is love. No, God is love. God is love. And it is impossible for God to go against his very nature. It's impossible for him to give back something that, that goes against his, his divine ability. And so God paid this incredible price for us. But can I just remind you, he knew exactly what he was doing. So when you and I wrestle with this back and forth of God, why me and this duplicitous nature that we have and this hypocrisy that we are, we, we have a, a capacity to have in our life. It says that it, he just did it out of love. And here's where I want to spend the rest of our time continuing on in verse 11. He says, in him, we're also chosen you are chosen. Even maybe other people didn't choose you in your life. 
You're chosen. God chose you, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you, Elevate Church, you Gentiles, you know, also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, don't miss this, the gospel of your salvation and when you believed. Somebody say believed. Notice it didn't say when you behaved. When you got it right, when you figured things out, when you, when you perfected it, it's not what it says. It says the moment we believed. And here's what's amazing, and here's what's so supernatural about this. The moment you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. You were sealed with something. You were sealed by something, by someone, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, ready for another strong term, guaranteeing our inheritance. is guaranteed. Like you don't have to question, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to live in doubt, you don't have to constantly live in this fear and in this tension. Well, am I, am I not? The moment, maybe you don't even feel like you are, but the moment it says you believed, not behaved any differently, but the moment you believed, you were marked by the Holy Spirit as a, as a seal guaranteeing your inheritance of the redemption of those who are God's possession. And it's all for what? To the praise of his glory. If you're blown away that he would do that, that he would pay such a, a great price, you know what it's for? His glory. His glory. The reason why you are created in his image to be a reflection of God back to all of creation is for his glory. That's it. This is such good news that the second you gave your life to Jesus, the instant you did that, if, if by faith you heard the message of truth that it says, and you believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Has anybody in this room ever been in a long distance relationship? Yeah? Like, they're terrible, are they not? They're not fun. Like, I get it because distance, you know, creates, uh, you know, all kinds of, of issues in relationships. And I think maybe the long distance relationship is a thing of the past because all the technological advances that we have, you know, that we are today more connected to people than we ever have been. But also at the same time, we're less connected to people than we ever have been. That's another message for another time. But the long distance relationship is problematic in many ways. And it, it might be healthy in some but I was thinking about this and thinking how after Kristen and I got engaged, like we had to do the long distance thing. She went back to uh, Toledo in the University of Toledo. I went back to college in Kentucky and then also in Florida. And we used to actually have to have to talk. Um, this is going to blow your mind, but we used to talk on these things. You know what I'm talking about? This is called a telephone. And we used to talk. Not, maybe not on this kind of thing. We didn't, in fact, even have one of these. But like we used to talk back and forth on that. Not, not text, not just crank our necks down all day like this and do that. No, we talked. And that was amazing and a beautiful thing because what it did, it forced us to go deep quickly. It forced us to, to work on our verbal communication. That's an amazing you know, thought these days. But over time, the distance got old. Started to wear on you. You start to, you know, because of the, the physical, tangible separation that we have. How many of you know distance can cause you to feel insecure? 
Distance can cause you to start to doubt things. Distance can, can cause you to feel unloved. It can cause you to feel removed from what's happening in people's lives. Distance begins to creep into your life. And this is what Paul is begging us to realize as he's talking about our identity in Christ and all the amazing things that we are given as heirs or as the sons and daughters of God. He says, hey, just in case, you can't buy into the whole you're a saint thing and that you're holy and that you're blameless in Christ and because of your, your, your duplicity in your own heart and in your own mind, the wrestling back and forth, just in case you can't fathom that God would choose you before the foundations of the earth, that he's, he, he loves you that much, just in case you can't grasp that he's predestined to adopt you as a son or a daughter with full rights and privilege, just in case the distance causes you to doubt and causes you to worry, causes anxiety in your life and to lose hope. He says, I'm gonna do something else. I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit and he's gonna seal you so that you continuously and relentlessly understand how committed I am to you and how much I, I love you. Even from the, the height of your hypocrisy or the depth of your depravity, I want you to know in any circumstance, in any situation, when you think you're getting it wrong and when you think you're doing it right, that the, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, marking you and sealing you to let you know how I feel about you. That's what he says. This is an incredible gift given to us when Christ ascended into heaven just to say, if nothing else, I am fully committed to you. Not only when you're burning white, you know, hot with, with passion for God, but also when you couldn't feel further from him, follower of Jesus. Like he's committed to us. You are sealed. You are marked by my spirit. And I say that because sometimes it's amazing to me how we can preach that you can't be saved by anything other than, other than what, if you know it, grace through faith in Jesus. Like we'll preach that. Well, you can't be saved, it's not by your works, right? That anyone would boast, it's not by anything you could do, it's not by coming to church, it's not by you know, worshiping, it's not by praying, it's not, you can't be saved by anything that you can do in and of your, yourself. That's gospel 101, we understand that, but then we read something like this, that language of you are sealed, in the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing how, although we can't do anything to earn our salvation, people will come up with 21 ways biblically you can lose it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is God really that wishy-washy? Is God really that unpowerful that he is unable to keep his gift that he's given us in the Holy Spirit intact in our life? No, he's like, you need to know this. You need to know this. And you're going to need to know it many times over in your life. Those moments where you feel this push and pull, like Paul was talking about, the moments when you don't do what you want to do and the moments you're doing the exact opposite of what, of what you want. He says, there's someone that needs to understand that God is not still deciding on you right now. Someone in this room, you need to understand God's not still deciding about you. If you've given your life to Jesus, you've said yes, like you are sealed, you are marked with the Holy Spirit and you can't out sin what God has sealed. That's good news, is it not? You cannot out sin what God has sealed. 
And I know this might seem radical. This might seem a little bit too teachy for some of you because you're in like, yeah, but mode. And, and Colby, I have, you know, this verse and that verse. And theologically, you know, that the, the, I, I want to go toe to toe with you. And that's okay. I'm a big boy. Like, let's do it. But please understand the moment you by faith put your hope in Jesus, you were instantly sealed by the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of your inheritance. And the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he would ever go back on his, his word. And so why uh, you might not always feel like it, like you're, you know, God's word trumps the way that you feel. You are sealed. When we think about sin and hypocrisy in this battle inside of us, and that's, and that's a good thing to wrestle with, by the way, we need to wrestle with that. Paul tells us also, he says, we don't just go ahead and go on sinning then so that grace may abound in us. We don't just kind of give into that, that sinful nature of ours. He says, no, we don't do that. You know, God's grace does not, doesn't mean, you know, that we should always trample on it, but it's also when it causes us to formulate these theological reasons why surely that person can't be saved because of what they did or, or that person over there, or he can't or she can't because they, they did those things. And he says, you get it wrong. And we do that sometimes to control people or to scare people or to keep people second guessing about their salvation. And can I tell you something? That's not a way for us to live. God does not want you constantly second guessing your salvation. God did not give us this gift so that we could second guess his, his goodness. He did not sacrifice his son on the cross for us with hopes that one day we would impose our own terms and conditions to our salvation. That's not his hope. He knew that there would be a long distance relationship. And he knew that you would have days where you doubt and where you are afraid, where you don't have confidence in who you are as a son or a daughter. There'd be days where, where you, you need comfort. There'd be days that are tough. There'd be days where you are not winning that battle in your, your mind. And his spirit seals us so we understand that we cannot sin beyond what God has sealed. You can't do it. You can't do it. And I, I get this is not your normal Holy Spirit type of talk. We're talking about the cool stuff, the creepy stuff. You know, I don't know, whatever it is. About the supernatural things. But can I just tell us all, this really is as supernatural as it gets. This is as much a miracle as anything that, that you and me, the moment we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe that we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, that this unseen stuff around us in the heavenly realms, and that's great to talk about, but this is talking about God's spirit in you, not just around you. And we need to know this. Why? Because there's going to be days when you go prodigal, where you take off, and there's going to be days when God's spirit is just waiting at the, God is waiting for us at the gate for us to return home. Or there's going to be days where you're, you know how he says like that there's 99 sheep and he leaves the 99 to go to the one and you're the one that's taken off. And he's not just waiting for you at the gate, but he actively goes out and pursues you and rescues you on a rescue mission. That's my story. But he out, went out and, and found me. Like I didn't find God, he found me. That's how good of a God we serve. So you're going to need to know with confidence that you're marked. I think of King David. I mean, that guy committed adultery. Talk about hypocrisy. 
Talk about this dual nature that he wrestled with inside of him. Here's a man that the Bible says, a man after God's own heart. Do you know that before he committed adultery and murder, you know what David was doing over and over again? He was winning battles. He was winning wars. He was winning fights all on behalf of God. Battle after battle after battle says he's a man after God's own heart. But then this Romans seven law kicks in that Paul talked about this, this hypocrisy and David in a really weak moment made a bad decision, committed adultery, got someone pregnant. In fact, went beyond that to have her husband killed so that he would never find out when he should have been at home, by the way, when he should have been engaged in the battle, but he stayed home. Hey guys, this is a great reminder. When you stop engaging in the fight, bad things happen. When you stop engaging for your purity, when you stop engaging for, for your, your eyes, when you stop engaging to guard your hearts, engaging in that fight, bad things happen. Ladies, when you stop engaging in the fight, bad things happen. Parents, when you stop engaging in the fight for your children, bad things happen. When you stop engaging in the fight to protect their identity from everything that's being thrown at them on social media in comparison, but don't get me started on that. <laughs> like bad things happen when you and I stay home and don't engage, and that's what happened to David. He stopped fighting ends up committing adultery with his, his friend's wife, kills him to get out of it. Like talk about hypocrisy, talk about duplicity because how many of you know sin will always take you further than you ever thought you would go, keeps you there longer than you ever thought you would stay. But even then, come on, somebody say, even then, even then. you can't out sin what God has sealed. You can't do it. You can't out sin it. Because God uses a friend of David's, a prophet named Nathan, to come and call him to the carpet and says, you're, you're the guy. And then David writes this beautiful song of repentance. And here's what I want us to, to understand. Now, I want us to understand what David understood in writing this. And I don't know how he had the grace to, to write this, how he knew this, this truth of his salvation when he wrote Psalm 51:12. But this is what he said. Maybe you're familiar with it. He says, restore to me. Do you know it? The what of my salvation? The joy. Look at that again. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Wouldn't you think that David, after committing adultery and murder and defying God's word by staying at home instead of engaging in the battle and makes a mess of his life, do you think if salvation was some wishy-washy, teeter-totter, type of thing that you could so easily fall into or fall out of, doesn't it make more sense for David to write, restore to me my salvation? Wouldn't that make more sense? But that's not what he said. He said, the joy of his salvation. Because listen, you are not saved by your works. And you are also not unsaved by your works. If you have been sealed. And I think What's at stake sometimes when we talk about God's holy word and we talk about morals and ethics and values, and then we feel like we're getting it wrong, you know, and, and this effort that we have to have to try to keep saved. Do you know that that's not what we're talking about and that's not what we're fighting for? You know what we're fighting for? Your joy. We're fighting for your peace. We're fighting for your confidence that you are who God says you are. We're fighting so that the love of God would rise up inside of you. 
to a greater level. That's what we're fighting for, not your salvation. We're fighting for the joy of your salvation, the peace of your salvation. That's what we're fighting for. So when Paul preaches and writes about being sealed in the Holy Spirit, there's a hundred different you know, theological implications we could talk about. But the one thing as I read Ephesians 1 over and over and over, God just keeps highlighting for me is this, and I'll have the band come help me finish this, is simply that you and I would know without a shadow of a doubt, and this is what you should leave here with, that God is for you. And he's for you. Like when you read through this, for him to to identify you as a follower of Jesus, but to send you the Holy Spirit while we're in this long distance relationship. I mean, I I don't know about you. I don't know what your, your spiritual life looks like, your faith with God, but I don't hear God's voice speaking to me every day. I don't have those moments where I just, I feel like I'm 100% directed by God all the time. I feel that distance and that distance can create doubt. That distance can cause fear. That distance can, can keep us from being confident in who God says we are. It creates insecurity and questions. And I know that that distance for some of you has the potential to cause you to feel condemnation in your life because of this dual nature that we have, this wrestling back and forth between the things that we want to do and the things that we don't want to do. We just keep doing. And so God says, listen, I'm sealing you with the Holy Spirit so you can walk out of these doors with your shoulders back, your head held high, full of confidence. But it's not just that doesn't just seal us and guarantee us our inheritance. I just wanna read a few verses just to let us sit and just kind of soak over exactly what the Holy Spirit does in our life. Like right now, here's what he's doing. John 14, 26 says, and we'll put it up on the screen. You can read through it, but he teaches us. He's our teacher. He's our, our, our guide. And he's not just our seal, our guarantee, you know, for our inheritance one day. He's our teacher right now. John 15 says the Holy Spirit testifies to us about Christ. Like, I don't know what could be better than that. Every time we gather, we want to learn more about who Jesus is and about who we are in him. Every time we gather, we want to walk out of these doors a little bit more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. He testifies to us about, about Christ. John 16, eight, he convicts us, not just personally, this is also the, the world of sin. Conviction is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. In fact, can, I can't think of anything more gracious than for God to allow the world to be convicted of our sin, knowing that he wanted to spend an eternity with you and the way he does that and draws you to him. Some of you right now, God's drawing you to him and it's through conviction that he's doing that. Romans eight fourteen. It says that the spirit, that's who leads us. He guides us. In fact, the Bible also says that when we don't know where to go, if we just stay in tune to the Holy Spirit, he's whispering in our ear, telling us to go to the right or to the left. If we would let him do that, he'll, he'll lead us. John 16, 13, the Holy Spirit reveals truth. 
And how many of you know we need some truth today? We need some truth. Acts 9, 31, it says the Holy Spirit is both talking about our strength. We gather strength from him and encouragement. I know some of you need encouraged. I need encouraged. And it's been a season. And the Holy Spirit will comfort you. He'll encourage you. And he's gonna encourage you, guess what? Whether you feel like you deserve it or not, whether you feel like you're worthy or not, he encourages you. He's so gentle, he's so faithful, he's so calm, he's so kind. John 14, 16, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He comforts us. That might be what some of you need today. You just need to sit and allow the Holy Spirit to comfort you. Romans 8, 26 says, he helps us in our weakness. In that same verse, he says, he intercedes for us. How many of you love having that friend who you know, as soon as you ask, will you pray for me? That you can just take it to the bank, that they're going to pray for you. Their, their word is good. And that's what he's doing constantly right now, interceding for us. This is, this is all God screaming from, from heaven. Listen, I know you're in a long distance relationship right now but I'm gonna comfort you, I'm gonna intercede for you. And this might be my favorite one, Romans 8, 16 says this, he bears witness with us that we are the sons and daughters. You don't have to get saved every week. I know sometimes we feel like we do, just because we've messed up, repentance is a great thing, we need to repent. And we need to have that, that practice in our life. But this tells us the moment that you believe and cross the line of faith, you're saved and you can walk out of here confident, knowing who you are. Bears witness with our spirits and we're sons and daughters, Galatians 5.22. This is the personality of the Holy Spirit. You've heard this. This is the, the fruit that he gives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like this is what he allows us to have. God is so for us that he would send his Holy Spirit to mark us and not allowing our eternal destiny to be managed under our own power and our own ability because none of us can. But because we're marked, he sends the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the message of the gospel. It's not that you and I would try and try and try. It's simply that you and I would take God at his word and trust. So could we do this right now? Would you stand to your feet? And just in a moment, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna get us out of here early in, in a minute. We're gonna worship through this, but I know, I know it's a beautiful day outside. But I still feel like there are people in this room, you need God to show up in your life as your comforter, as someone who convicts you, as someone who teaches you, someone who'll guide you and lead you, someone who will encourage you through the Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is ask. Just tell him, come. So God, I pray right now in this moment that your spirit would come, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. God, some of us need confidence that we are sons and daughters and we wanna walk out of here. Man, just just lighter because of that weight that we carry of, of our own hypocrisy. God, we can just throw down and get rid of that. 
We don't need to, to throw that back in your face, your grace and your mercy for us. We just receive it. And God, we just, some of us need to be comforted. Maybe it's loss of a loved one. Maybe someone walked out on us. We don't know where to go. But we do know that, that we can turn to you, fix our eyes on you, so comfort us. Maybe it's conviction. And some of us are being drawn supernaturally by the Spirit of God through conviction to surrendering our lives to you. And in this moment, God, I pray that you would give us words to do that, just to put our trust and hope for salvation in you. Whatever it is right now, God, that we need, would your Holy Spirit speak to us in this moment of worship? It's in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.